Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Coming up with this week's show, of course, all the news from the past seven days, as well as album reviews from The Skints, The Wild Hearts and The Employed to Serve. An open mic this week comes from Trivium and their fourth album, Shogun. But as ever, we will start with the news and there is actual actually some news this week we've been quite low on the ground past few weeks haven't we uh kill switch engage are planning something mischievous for the 25th of this month which is next tuesday or the past tuesday i don't know when you listen a tuesday in june the 25th one um yeah all the time just released a teaser picture on facebook uh the guess is it's a new song. Hopefully, I, I, I can't double check because Facebook's down, so I can't get any new news. But the current rumor or the current belief is that it's a new song. Killswitch have been saying they've got a new album coming out for a while now, so hopefully, will be something to do with that. I think a new Killswitch will be warmly received. Um, hopefully, they won't do what Sleep Token did, which the, the original line that I wrote this in for was for Sleep Token. They were posting something weird and wonderful on Twitter. Ended up just being a run of shows in the UK, which I could never go to. So, fuck that guy. But also, please release new music. I like Sleep Token. Um, now, uh, it's it's kind of all down here in terms of news. Uh, Leeds punk group The Human Project are to go on hiatus indefinitely, along with the fact that their drummer Mark is leaving the band. In a statement on Facebook, they basically said that... Their own lives have gotten in the way a little bit. They need time to decompress and just sort, I think, out like outside of music. And of course, like Mark is leaving as well. Um, as far as I can tell, or like what they've made clear, they there's no bad blood. They've basically just said it comes to a time where every now and again, things just don't line up the way they need to. And he has other projects. I wish I could name drop him, but like I said. Facebook, down, dead, whatever. Um, they've made it ambivocally clear that they are not splitting up. They are literally just taking X amount of time off to recharge the batteries and they'll come back stronger than ever. Um, I'm kind of gutted, actually. I've Human Project was one of the first small bands I ever got into and I've sort of like watched them grow and grow and grow. And the last album, Clarion Core, was brilliant. Um, I... To name drop myself, I helped get them an artist for that. And that's like my one claim to fame in the music industry right now. In terms of like just them as a band, I'm gutted that they are going on this break. But in terms of them as people, uh, if they need the break, then fucking go for it. You can disappoint as many fans as you want, but as long as you guys look after yourself, who gives a shit about anyone else, right? And the the big story that's pretty much dominated all of all the news really it's been it's got um, a lot of mainstream attention as well. Uh, Dave Mustaine, lead singer of Megadeth, has announced that he has throat cancer. Um, he has also put in his uh, statement on various social medias that it had that he's already on treatment and the treatment has a ninety percent success rate, uh, which is obviously fantastic news. The 2019 Mega Cruise will still go ahead, which they are planning, and him and the rest of the boys in Megadeth, excuse me, 
are all still uh, working on a follow-up to Dystopia, which I think I remember reading that it was they were looking at 2019 re- release. I imagine now it will be pushed back to next year, which obviously is no problem at all considering what Dave is about to go through. He's extremely positive about the success rate, like I said, 90% is the sex rate. Su- success rate, Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, it's scary news, absolutely. And he's had support from Tony Iommi, who I believe also had some kind of... He had leukemia, I believe. He also had some kind of cancer. Um, from what I remember, I believe throat cancer has quite a high success rate anyway, so... Um, yeah, all the best to Dave. I know he'll never listen to this, but, you know, sometimes the music doesn't matter. So, a bit topsy-turvy than these sort of thing. It, it, the prognosis is good, but, you know, the fact is facts. But, like, like we said, all the best of luck to Mr. Mustaine. Uh, we have a little bit of new music out this week as well. Uh, Where Your Wounds, the supergroup formed by Jacob Bannon of Converge, uh, a very... Massive sounding post rock, post rock, post metal, I should say. Uh, they have a new song out called Shrinking Violet. It comes from it literally, well, I only found out about it literally as a press record. Uh, it is pretty standard uh, way wounds at this point. Very big, very abrasive, might be the wrong word. The guitars and that are still very heavy, but the whole thing is quite a like the mood of it is quite still quite relaxed and you can sort of lose yourself in it quite a bit post metal i've talked about before is not an easy genre for me so i've only given it like one listen so i can say like it is very where your woundsy from what i know about them so far uh if you're into that kind of thing do give it a listen because anything with jake and bannon involved is always going to be good uh the album the second album rust on the gates of heaven comes out the 12th of july uh, I got the first one, and like I said, although I'm not a big fan of Post Metal, I did enjoy that one. I think it was self-titled, and yeah, it's pretty much going to be a uh, must-listen to for anyone who enjoys that style of work anyways. Uh, we also, as well as some new music, we have some new albums being announced. Alter Bridge, I got this from the editor at What Culture, because somehow he had an inside scoop. Uh, what? Alter Bridge have a new album coming out called Walk the Sky. That's coming out on the 18th of October. Forgot what month number 10 was. Um, there is a lead single. It hasn't quite come out yet. Somehow he got the inside scoop on that. Fucking, I want to get his sources. Um, the lead single will be called Wouldn't You Rather. And that's going to come out 28th of June. So that's just over a week from time of recording. Um, I imagine it's going to sound exactly like Alter Bridge sound like, but because it's Alter Bridge and not Creed, it's going to be very, very good. So, hopefully, if I remember when that song comes out, I'll give my own personal thoughts because that's interesting. And the other album and the other bit of music we got from this week is Chelsea Wolf has announced that she is releasing a follow-up to 2017's His Spun. Uh, the album will be called Birth of Violence. It's going to come out the 13th of September. And there's already a lead single coming out. It's called The Mother Road. Uh, I really like this song. Uh, it's a lot cleaner. It's less f- less fuzz and less effects on the vocals. Which... The only Chelsea Wolf album I've really listened to is His Spun. 
and I kind of struggled with it because there's a lot of effects on the music and whereas like for example Devon Townsend's always got like a big wall of sound in his music you can sort of like identify individual parts or it's a bit more structured together this with his spun because it was like quite a doom metal affair it was just a wall of noise that just sort of fell into like a fuzz which just didn't quite do it for me i tried a lot with that album there's a few songs on there that i do uh, that i have saved and i do go back to occasionally but as a whole i struggled with it a bit but i've really i really liked uh the mother the mother road excuse me um there's less effects on her voice so you can sort of hear her for her there's like instrumental dives in the music they're sort of less it completely fucking threw me it scared the shit out of me first time i heard them um yeah i don't know i don't think they're guitar but I, they seem sound too organic to be synths i'm not quite sure but when you hear them you will recognize exactly what i'm trying to muster up um but yeah i thought it sounded really good quite looking forward to it if she stays this sort of thing where it's like very clean vocal and it's her um, put as much fuzz on in instruments as you can as you want, but leave her as her because she sounds fucking phenomenal in this. The artwork looks so imposing. It's just her, I think, on like a uh, rock range or something like that. And yeah, it's just so, it's almost pagan. She just looks so dominating. I really, really like it. Uh, but yeah, that's coming out the 13th of September. The least single Mother Road is out now. And that's by Chelsea Wolf. And yeah, that's all new albums and new music as such from the week so let's get cracking with album reviews and we will start with the skints and their fourth album swimming lessons they are from london and they have like a blend of a variety of different genres that you could blend they're primarily in like the reggae ska sort of area but they also include like dub and hip-hop and grime alt rock a bit of pop punk every now and again I first became aware of the Skints many moons ago. Um, I can't remember specifically when, but I just remember seeing the music video to their song Ratatat. And I was completely, I still am. If I would go back to the music video now, I'll still just stare at Marcia's mouth, which is weird. I, I can see why that would be weird. But just staring at Marcia as she delivers the rap verses to... Ratatat, it's so fast. And years on, I will still try and like sing along and I will get lost after the first syllable. Um, and yeah, I just thought that the rest of the song is also pretty brilliant. Do have a listen if you are that way inclined. Um, but for whatever reason, after that, I just sort of considered them a greatest hit sort of band. Um, out my mind. Is another song that really sticks out and it's just wonderful i think because like i've only recently gone on to spotify i just had so much hassle trying to find their music because they've always been fairly underground and they have slowly garnered that reputation a well-deserved reputation but you know i did always find myself wondering when they were going to th break through that like proverbial glass ceiling and get Maybe not main, but just more of a, a commercial attention as opposed to mainstream because 
I just think they've got so many different things going on, so many different ideas, so many different genres that there must be a mix in there somewhere that will be like chart worthy or daytime music channel worthy, you know? And like with swimming lessons, it is more of the same as that. There is pretty much every genre of rock and grime and ska and reggae going on all at once. And it sounds fucking fantastic. Um, I defy anyone to not bob side to side to the song Restless. Um, it's the second song on the album. It's featuring Grammy-nominated artist. I'm very fancy. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Protégé. That makes me, f- like, I'm pretty confident. It's not spelt like Prodigy, but, you know, what do I know? Um, I was swinging along to it to Restless as I was writing the notes out for the song. It's fucking great. Um, opens with this, um, well, it has like, it's bass is rooted in like 80s special style, dark scar kind of sound, um, but then has these like injections of hip hop from vocalists and instrumentalists, uh, Joshua, Jamie and their guest, Protégé, and then the album completely flips and then on track number three gets on top it's this po- ultra poppy electro reggae bop apparently if i was described it um and it's got a massive chiptune breakdown which i was never expecting to hear chiptune in a reggae album but you know um and it absolutely sound mad it sounds mad and it is it's chiptune and a fucking reggae song that's a very pop reggae song but the skints find a way, they have some sort of magic formula to make that sort of ludicrousy work and work so, so well. Uh, what Did I Learn Today invites uh, the punk rock that I was talking about before, invites like a punk rock feel into the, the whole vibe of the album and it com- comes complete with a very cynical breakup story because what punk song isn't complete without a cynical love song? Um, and that punk sort of sticks around for the song The Island, which is a wonderfully bleak commentary on the UK as a whole. And I read a like track for track thing that they did with an online webzine thing. I probably should pay more attention, but the they've got like about a paragraph or so of description for each song. And then it gets to the islands like commentary of England keep out brexit which you know pretty to the point i like it um which <laughs> the i the whole theme around the island the commentary about the uk it's the song is great it's a i love the song it would wouldn't hurt as much if everything they said wasn't a hundred percent true and if i didn't live here when it's all happening but you know beggars can be choosers um, overall, I found, like, I've never massively gone in on reggae. Scar, I do enjoy off and on. I think it's one of those genres where everyone just doesn't want to admit that they really enjoy Scar. As a whole, I can't really find massive flaws with it. It's not, as much as I enjoyed it, it's not, like, album of the year contender or anything like that. Um, it might squeeze its way into twenty top 20 at the end of the year. 
the only major flaw I can say is the first half of the album to say I'd say up until about the, the track eight the island is far superior than second half um donkey brain in the grand scheme of everything I saw someone say that that's so like against the grain for the rest of the album when I just want to reiterate a point there is an electro reggae song with a chip tune breakdown in it and you're worried about donkey brain which is a uh solo acoustic ditty you know just fucking listen to the rest of the album you fuck but you know there's lots of albums where what um the exit tens are albums some of my favorite music of all time and both of them the first half is always vastly superior than the second half but you know that's not really a sign of anything at all i just think it's a really mellow album a really easy to listen to album you can so have it on you can listen to it and get all the intricacies about everything they've done and like pay attention to every little nook and cranny of the album and you get loads of enjoyment out of that or you can have it so you're doing something else you're playing a game you're reading a book or whatever and have it on the background and you can just have it carry a day and equally have the best time with it i think overall it does suit the current british weather we had down to an absolute t like one minute it's blistering sunshine next minute it is pissing down with rain at the moment we are directly in the middle because it's it was sunny and i had the door open and now it's gray as fuck and dark it's three o'clock in the afternoon you think it's fucking eight o'clock at night even though it is that's a bad time it's bright daylight at ten eight o'clock at night at the moment either way it fits you can be dark and gloomy or you could be happy and cheery i know which version i'd already go for i saw someone somewhere uh, i believe it was on their own official site they brand themselves as tropical punk and you know what so fucking accurate it's brilliant um have a listen for the skins if you are a fan of Newtown Kings, uh, Gentleman's Dub Club, and the one that I, so I'm not familiar with those two bands, it was more finding them, I think there are similarities there, but if you are a fan of them, go for it. The one that I always went back to is Sonic Boom 6, which a band that gets lots of flack, I really enjoyed them back in the day, that self-titled album was fucking brilliant. The way they do combine, like, pop and scar and grime and big sounding punk rock similar sort of vibe here whereas they do lean more towards the rock side of things skint's more focused on the reggae side of things but i think the overlap is there so sonic boomstick gentleman's dub club and newtown kings go for any of them go for album number four from the skint it is called swimming lessons and yeah really 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 fun start to the week even though it's the third album i listened to this week Anyway, next up we've got The Wild Hearts and Renaissance Men. It is the ninth album from the new, new, new rock, Newcastle Hard Rock Quartet. If I correct, remember correctly, it is a quartet. Why am I thinking that? The album art is right there. It's got four people. That's a quartet. Good. It is their first album in 10 years and the first album since 1997's Endless Nameless to feature bassist Danny McCormick. And... Right here, right now, I'm going to say I've done the Wild Hearts a massive disservice over the years. Um, I've heard about them a lot. Uh, a lot of the podcasts I listen to is forever banging on about the Wild Hearts. Uh, Ginger especially is like an underrated rock god. 
in their opinion. Every time I've heard about them and every time I've like looked at them and maybe thought, ah, should I give them a listen? I have a hundred percent based on looks and um reputation low alone, sorry. I have a hundred percent just labelled them as dad rock and never gone into them. I'm a complete fucking idiot. This has been amazing. This is... N- I wish my dad listened to this music. It's fucking brilliant. It's... I'm, in between this, the skins and employed to serve and Trivium, it's been a really good week for music. I probably should have mentioned everything's going to be good this week. You're welcome. The opening riff of uh, Dislocated... The production, it's just the sign of the things to come. The production is so good. Um like the mix, like the guitar sounds so beefy. The like the bass is allowed to shine through and there's times where it is the forefront. You know, there's a, it feels like there's a sense of pride that Danny is back in the band. From like dislocated, that really powerful, really strong opener. Into Let Him Go, you've got this, like, Dropkick Murphy, fucking Flog and Molly-esque folk belter, which it feels like you've got about four or five songs happening at the same time, but it doesn't sound dysfunctional, it doesn't sound confusing, it doesn't even sound, and dare I say this, it doesn't even sound progressive. It just sounds like an absolute party. Like, Frank Turner wishes he could write folk songs as good as this, and then from there, so you've got like a big riff rock heavy opener into this like folk rock sort of party song. And then the third song was the title track. Um, it just has the absolute maddest and dumbest rhymes and just general lyrics that you could probably think of. He's repeatedly like shouting Ariba and bangs on and on about tequila tequila as if he's like auditioning to be in Corpaclani. But there's just this weird charm about it all where like if you go to any other record and you've got someone shouting about tequila and rhyming with Ariba, I'll tear my fucking hair out what's left of it. But there's this weird charm that they make it sound so good and part of me hates that because I don't want to like a song that rhymes tequila with Ariba. But it just works, you know? And that that's the album from top to bottom. There is this wonderful charm to everything. Even when Ginger is at his like, most serious, um, like a song such as Diagnosis, you can equally find yourself gearing up for the revolt against mental illness. Mental? Mental illness. Um... And, you know, going against everyone who says, like, it doesn't exist or it's underfunded or blah, 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 blah. Like, rising up against and fighting that fight. Equally, you can find yourself listening to that song, grabbing some mates, grabbing some drinks, and just acting like twats because why the fuck not? You know? Uh, Little Flower sounds like a song the Beatles would write if they had discovered a proper distortion pedal. And Emergency, Fentanyl, Babylon... Um, will of course win my heart because it has mute scratches, a big gang vocal, and is lyrically very, very bitter, which is kind of like the Holy Trinity for me. I was honestly so wrong about the Wild Hearts. Like I said, for whatever reason, I think because they are in a lot of, they get featured in Classic Rock magazine a lot, 
And I think somewhere along the line, I must have seen him with that classic rock label. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't go for that classic rock sort of shit at all. Um, and I've done, I've done the thing that I've been so angry at for years, where people look at a band for their image and judge them based on that. I've done the thing, lads. I've absolutely done the thing. And I'm so glad that I'm wrong. And like I said, I wish my dad listened to this kind of music. Um, I just think it's fucking great. Uh, if you listen to Therapy, or there's a good Guns N' Roses vibe in there as well. And for a more modern take, if you liked the Puppy album, I feel like I've talked about Puppy a lot in comparison albums, um, where it's big, riff-heavy rock music with a very strong vocal line as well. Definitely go in for Wild Hearts. That's Puppy, Guns N' Roses, Therapy. Go for the Wild Hearts and go with album number nine. Album number nine. It's called Renaissance Man. And yeah, it's just very, 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 very pretty good. Last album up for what, this week, week's run of new release albums. That was very difficult to say. I don't know why. Uh, it comes all the way from Woking, which might be about a couple of hours from where I am. It's called Eternal Forward Motion, and it is by the hardcore troupe known as Employed to Serve. It is album number three. And Employed to Serve have done a very fine job over the last few years of getting themselves over as one of the UK's brightest and equally most lethal rising stars in the independent scene. They helped establish... Holy Raw Records as being like a prominent seal of approval for any new and emerging hardcore acts. Uh, and they've done this. They've like, like I said, this is album number three. And they've got Grey Than You Remember and The Warmth of a Dying Sun. Both albums did massive things. You know, everyone was harking out about them. And I remember like podcasts each time those albums came out, just constantly go right ranting and raving about how good they are and slowly with um leasing is just the involvement with holy raw that connection there just being signed to holy raw in general it's done a wealth of good for not only the band not only the label but just for uk hardcore as a re-emergence anyways um but despite you know this they are two albums in this is album number three the th third album often the most difficult you know, there's always the, um, I know it's more of a thing in thrash metal, but people always really, really hold in on that third album because it's a sign of, you've done good twice. If it's three, it's a pretty good level that you can stick it out and last a distance. And I, th I think, I think they've done a pretty good job. Uh, Eternal Forward Motion is, I've described it as the soundtrack due to collapse of regular society. This is, it is needle sharp riffs, uh, drums with enough of a stomp that they will bring down a building around you, and throat popping shrieks that would make the voices in your head run for their very lives. Um, the very, e very easy influences on show are the likes of, you know, Converge, the Dillinger Escape Plan, um, but beneath all that, beneath like the very hardcore, shouty, rah, barrage, um, there's almost like a dark, 
new metal, new metal, apparently, a dark new metal undercurrent. Um, they, like you got Harsh Truth, which is a very deeply intense song, but it is as corn-like as you can get without actually being Jonathan Davis. Um, songs like Reality Filter and Beneath It All combine hardcore and new metal, similarly to how Code Orange or Kane Hill do it. You know, it's very fast, very strong, very abrasive riffs, all with that like new metal bounce beat in the background. I think uh, what song was it? Oh, we forget you, or we forgot you. Excuse me. It has a touch of the Roller Tomasi about it. Uh, very more like the most recent album. The very the riff structure and like the riff arrangement song. You know, the general vibe of it is very similar to something from Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It. But it's just you know, couldn't think. Like I can't think right now what song it is that directly reminds me of it, but. I just think like the way they've got the melodies, um, they have like melody playing with um, this big chord just beforehand. Yeah, very Tumble Die esque. The melody in the title track and the opener is just, it gets me every time. It still goes harder than, you know, most bands can go, but it's just so, so intense and it will pop any crowd that hears it. And I imagine, like, guitar guitar-wise, it's a very simple effect to get, excuse me, something very melodic, yet very, very harsh and abrasive at the same time. But guitarists, Sammy and Marcus, make it sound so effortless, and it sounds so, so good. Um, I think last week when I was talking about the Monomath, when I was always trying to say, well, I was trying to explain, like, a melodic death metal kind of chorus where it is melodic and abrasive at the same time just because it's melodic doesn't mean you have to go to like acoustic guitars this is the sort of thing i'm talking about like at no point are you saying like the chorus is like ah oh, it's basically like pop punk because it fucking isn't it's still so angry and angular but yeah, it's got a chance for justine to hit like the really big notes and the big vocal hooks that make you think, holy shit, I might die, but I'm okay with it. The lead single from the album, which I believe was Force Fed. I hope it's Force Fed, because that's what my note is based around. Um, it is so... I, I, I found myself using this word a lot during like, my notes for this. Intense again, both lyrically and musically. It's more filthy sounding wrists that just sucks explode into one of the best choruses of the year second maybe to the one in eternal forward motion uh sammy almost sounds like quite i was gonna say imposing cleans they're not like a punk rock clean they're very gravelly aren't they um but yeah he sounds so imposing in his own right for those cleans uh the trade-off at the end between Justine and Simon like, I've heard your fuse force fed. Oh, it's so good. It's so fucking love that part of the song. Uh, and lyrically, it's just so fucking aggro. Uh, hand me the scissors, I'll cut off my ears. Just hand me the hammer and I'll nail your mouth shut. Like, fuck. They're so angry. And it's so fucking good. Um, it's just, like, it, overall, so unrelenting. 
it's such a visceral experience, similar to what I was talking about with the Jane Doe album uh, a week or so ago. The Lake Behind My Eyes is probably like as the hardest this album goes, which is fucking saying something. Um, breaking out like the vocal trade-offs with the Math Quarry squealy riffs. I have no better description than squealy. Bare Bones on a Blue Sky goes quite shoegazy, the last song. It's almost uh, Deftones-like at times. Very, very meandery. And still pretty good. I don't know why I started to rock side side my computer chair. No one can see it. There's also no music playing. I'm a smart. Uh, it still sounds like like Bare Bones of Blue Sky. As like maybe you could sort of say it's the softest song in the album. That just, just don't play at kids parties. Still sounds like the, the apocalypse is at your front door. You know? And similar to... I'm banging about a lot. Similar to Converge. The album is very cathartic. You know, shit week as it's been, put that on, and you can just... You know that uh, video of... It's some sort of garden party. And this is a tangent. The bloke's little boy gets... Oops, child of some kind. Gets hit by another child. So the father will have none of it and just backhands the child that hurt his. Cue, like, everyone going up to him saying, you can't do that. And he's just slapping and slapping and slapping. And the police comes in and he slaps them. This is what goes through my head every time I hear this. And I'm walking down the street. Just I could walk past people and backhand and fronthand and backhand and fronthand. Because that's about as aggressive as I can get because I'm a massive puss. But the fucking employed to serve makes you think that you can do a lot, a lot more than what you're actually capable of doing. Which, no, quite nice. Um, but similar to Converge, it's the lyrics are very almost poetic, I guess you could say. Um, I've got like three examples. I can't remember what song I've put, but it probably will be quite obvious once I've started reading them. Um, I want to crush those rose-tinted glasses beneath my feet and let the glass bleed new life into me. I once had youth on my side till it sold me out for the next one in line and turned its back on me and said, you're on your fucking own. Oof. I'm selling a lie. Appearances are everything. In my mind, I'm a far cry behind, but I'll keep portraying this a false identity. Double oof. Searching for the truth, for the truth shall... I'll try that one again. Searching for the truth, for the truth shall set me free. I'm running to the finish line, but I'm out of breath and I'm going blind. Blinded by the blur of this nauseating velocity, blinded by my own idea of what's good enough for me. Oh. Cuts deep. And it's like, I was saying before, in terms of having uh, Jacob Barron's lyrics instead of Shakespeare. Fucking add this to it. They're so, like, they're not so painfully obvious and so on the nose that it hurts you. It is using, like, a wide vocabulary and, like, a wide um, wordscape. Is that a thing? Just to convey how shit things are and just how like it touches on a lot of things so it does touch on um politics and anxiety and mental illness that sort of thing and it's just you could easily say like politics bad you know or uh my anxiety it's pretty shit in it but just structuring in a way where it is not flamboyant is the wrong word but it does make it sound like much more expansive and much more of a thing than just it's shit 
you know i think this album is fucking great really really have had the best time and i feel i kind of feel bad that i haven't given enough time i've given a lot of time to wild hearts i feel really sorry for skins because any other week they would probably be the album of the week but goodness goodness gracious it's been fun this week uh, if you are a fan in the hardcore spectrum of Converge, I've gone about them a lot because it's just a thing. Uh, Converge, Palm Reader, or Knock Loose. I don't know too much about Knock Loose, but I know a lot of people. They are the entry point for a lot of hardcore, like new hardcore fans. Move on from Knock Loose, get into real hardcore, get into this, get into Palm Reader, get into Converge. Um, and this again, because Employed to Serve are fucking brilliant. The album is called Eternal Forward Motion. It is album number three. They are wonderful. They're ours. They're UK hardcore. And yeah, they are more than worth your time. Oh, I'm going to go for a stretch before going... Ow. Before going into the open mic for this week. And it comes stateside. Or from stateside. It is Trivium with their fourth album, Shogun. It came out in 2008. Uh, Trivium? That's fair. I'm sure many people are. I think I didn't know they're from Orlando. They're from Orlando, Florida. I didn't know that. They play. They were. Well, they were part of the metalcore scene from the mid noughties and since then, I think they've done more than enough to sort of like move away from that label. And I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But at this point, they're on the back of the crusade, which was it was very Marmite received. You know, I think it's received a lot more praise in the years since. Uh, but at the time, because it was a bit more, a bit more speed metal influence, the Crusade compared to the Ascendancy, um, and yeah, people, metal fans, I think I've said before, quite narrow-minded. They just kept screaming, "Want, I want the harsh vocals back," which, you know, something else I'll get into a little bit more in a bit. Um, but overall, Shogun was also the first album that they had where they chose to not work with produ- producer Jason Swakoff, who, I really hope I got that right, Sukoff? So I think it's Sukoff, actually. Um, yeah, he had uh, produced Crusade and Ascendancy, I believe. And for Shogun, they got, and I'm going to get this wrong, I absolutely know I am, Nick Raskulinetsk? Raskulinetsk? Let's go with that. Raskulinich. Raskulinich. Uh, he was at the helm instead. You know, all that effort to try and pronounce his name. I didn't write anything about him. He did a fucking great job on here. So definitely look for more stuff by him. Uh, I've always felt a little bit sorry for Trivium. Ever since I read an article um, saying that... Well, it was from Matt Heafy. He basically said he never intended to for Trivium to be a big screamy shouty band like all the guys in trivium they are og metal fans like uh like big four thrash maiden priest uh fucking accept you know testament overkill they are die hard metal fans and they never want to be uh screamers and I think that's evident in, Cru- in the Crusade when Matt tried to do like a James Hetfield style, like rough clean, I guess you could describe it. 
and in the Crusade, and eventually what became like several years later in Silence in the Snow. I feel like that those two albums. I know Silence in the Snow was more clean vocals purely because I think at the time Matt had a problem with his throat, so he just flat out couldn't scream. But I feel like Silence in the Snow and the Crusade is closer to what Trivium wants to have as their known sound. You know, this is you know speculation. I don't know. I don't know any of the guys from Trivium personally. You know, uh, it's just my take on things, which is why we're all here. And based on that, based on the fact that they want to be known as this fairly clean sound or like clean vocal sounding metal band, but they've already got this initial rise as being like a metalcore scream band. There is a desperately fine line between keeping fans happy and music critics happy and maintaining their own principles. And as a side thing for me, Down From The Sky was one of the first songs I heard on Scuzz when I moved back to England in 2008. And at that point, I had not seen nor heard anything like it. It was... It's a sinister video that just looks like it's in an underground bunker somewhere where it's just like clips of war and um, more war cut over the top of it. And you combine that with a song like Down From The Sky, which is so intensely heavy, all on daytime TV. It just, it was a good, good time. It was, I was completely fast. I think that, because it was... um, down from the sky, indestructible by Disturbed, psychosocial by Slipknot, and uh, Day Didn't Ever Comes by Metallica. Those four songs were pretty much what Scuzz played and repeat when I first got back to England, and I think that's why I'm where I am now in terms of music. So, thank you, Scuzz. A 2008 release date for Trivium must have been either. The bravest decision they've ever made as a band. Or equally, potentially, the silliest. Uh, Daunting either way, because 2008, as well as, you know, All Hope Is Gone by Slipknot and Indestructible by Disturbed, also saw the return of the biggest band, I don't care what Iron Maiden say, the biggest band in the world, Metallica, returned to to their thrash metal route in Death Magnetic. I don't care what people's opinions are, on Death Magnetic. I don't care what people's opinions are on Saint Anger. But as soon as anyone says there's a new Metallica album, everyone's going to listen to it. You know, Metallica say we've got a new single coming out and everyone will listen to it. Everyone will listen to Lords of Summer. That song, actually pretty, uh, it's very 6 out of 10, but everyone fucking listen to it because Metallica are Metallica. So for Trivium to try and have not only are Metallica coming back to a thrash metal, heavy metal approach, Trivium have got have been told by streams of fans and critics that they need to return to a heavier metalcore kind of sound themselves. So it's basically you're going toe to toe with the biggest band in the world for a, a return to form album. You know, like. Trivium in these days would so frequently get labelled as the next Metallica. Um, And now 
in 2008, they were literally toe-to-toe with them on the back of very tepidly received albums and they needed to, you know, restart the magic as it were. So I don't envy them in the slightest. I would have been just a river of poo thinking about it. But straight from the off, Shogun is a darker, more sinister affair. It eclipses Ascendancy, which, you know, Ascendancy, to this day, 2019, it's still revered as, like, the shining light, or a shining light in 2000's Metalcore. Um, Kidiste Gomen, uh, the opener, it shows off a more rugged, edgy guitar uh, riff and just sound, and overall just guitar work from Matt and Corey. It's a near... Melodic death metal execution by Travis on drums, and it is the it does mark the return of those harsh vocals from our Twitch Lord Matt Heafy. Uh, the jug's position in the chorus when it does go full ascendancy era trivium is where for me the song really, really picked up and really, really like lit up for me. Um, the massive melodic bridge that leads into the breakdown solo combo is just thunderous my god is it good the album as a whole is a much darker affair like i said before it's a lot darker than previous efforts songs like kidiste gomen uh down from the sky he who spawned the furies are like the notable examples of this it is pounding beats over you know soaring harmonies and that's traded with propulsive wrists that rip their way through the songs. It is, you know, you've got other songs that sort of like reference it mildly. Like Insurrection was one of the ones that I also want to make a note of. And although it is a, an evolved sound, they will still kind of make references to previous efforts. Uh, torn between uh, Skiller and Skiller and Charybdis, Into the Mouth of Hell We March, and Throws of Perdition. They all sit in a realm which is somewhere between the metalcore heaviness of Ascendancy and the speed metal melody of the Crusade. And on Shogun, Matt just shows off how much of a versatile vocalist he is. And a trait that's followed him ever since, despite how many people try to ignore it and say he should just do screams. Fuck those guys. From screams to growls to cleans to the like James Hetfield worship, which fuck you. If you haven't tried to do the James Hetfield vo- vocal line, you're a fucking mong. Go away. There's not a point in this album where J- James, where fucking Matt lets the side down vocally. Or even guitar work. I don't know why I specifically said vocally, but you know, he is, he just fucking nails it absolutely nails it the strength he has to nail every single note is unfathomable it's insane I don't think I pronounced that right infathomable there we go and I have a habit of like either glossing over bassists or making them a bit too acutely aware but I think Paolo is a fucking brilliant bassist in this Um, to be a good bassist you don't have to have like the intricate bass lines or like a singled out sort of bit to show, hey, look, we have one. You know, it, he, like technic, technical wise, he can surpass or match uh, Matt and Corey note for note if he wanted to. 
I've no doubt about how I've seen like little videos of him doing warm ups and little diddlies on Instagram. He is such a good basis from a technical point of view. But in this, he knows how to highlight those low end rhythm sections to make either a riff sound meatier, the like add to the weight of the bass drum lines from Travis. Or whenever Matt and Corey are doing solos, just keep that like low end um, portion of the song just still sounding so dense and heavy. And his clean work as well. It sorry, his clean vocal work. It fucking it does wonders as well. And the song that I really want to point out for this is track number nine of Prometheus and the Crucifix. It is momentous sounding chorus. It's so fucking good. It reminds me of like a pagan church choir. I don't know if pagans even have churches. That's what I imagine one would sound like. It's fucking great. The fact that people have doubted Trivium after all of this is fucking appalling. You know, they burnt any bridges they may have had connecting them to that whiny metalcore from the mid-2000s. Their heavy metal credentials should not be questions. Like I said, these are all massive metalheads. And they want to just play like their heroes, which who the fuck doesn't? Like, this was something that like frustrated me as hearing it. They said, oh, it's like, or just reading old reviews. Like, it's that he's trying to act too much like James Hetfield. Oh, they're trying to be another Metallica. Who doesn't want that? I want to be the next James Hetfield. I want to be the next Metallica. Me, by myself. You know? If this was, if all these, like, uh, criticism came after Vengeance Falls. Maybe I would agree with it because for me, I think Vengeance Falls is their weakest album. Bear in mind, I've never listened to uh, the debut from Members to Inferno. And I think, I think that they're the only two I haven't listened to properly. But, you know, if it was on the back of that, maybe because I did, I do remember it was fairly like, it wasn't the most, most best received trivium album. But this questioning of whether or not Trivium are the metal enough or whether or not Matt is his own um, vocalist or just trying to copy everyone else. This carried on all the way up to the Sin and the Sentence, which is their latest album, which I think came out, what, 2017? Two years ago? Yeah. Did fucking... All this time, people are still saying, oh, I don't know if he's if they're up to it. That's fucking bullshit. Trivium have been fucking brilliant for absolutely donkey's years. And thankfully now, it took the Sin and Sentence where they basically made a blistering, borderline, melodic death metal album. Which I think, if you ignored... If they made Sin and Sentence directly after Shogun, there'd be no questions asked. But because it didn't appear like... Oh, just. I don't know. People are dumb. Thankfully now, like I said, they are the respected beacon of metal that they deserve to be. And in 2008, when Shogun came out, 2008 was such a fucking good year for alternative music. You had Gajira, Metallica, Opeth, ACDC, Slipknot, Disturbed, Meshuggah, Guns N' Roses. And Trivium were able to stand out out of all of that. You know? And that's why Trivium should be like I can't believe they haven't headline download yet 
don't even think they've done... Have they done Bloodstock? I'm not sure. But... For people to doubt them after this, you're, you're just a dim... You're just a dim boy and or girl. Um, since Shogun's come out, so... Fucking 11 years ago, he was... I think it was 20... Was it 23 when he wrote this? Oh, he's 22. Cool. So two years ago, if it was my timeline, what was I doing? I was still working in retail. That hurts. Uh, in the years since Shogun, Trivium have largely stayed as the troop they th th they were. The only difference is, is so Matt, Corey, and Paolo have all remained named Trivium. Uh, Shogun would mark the last release with drummer Travis Smith. And since then, Trivium... I forgot how many drummers they've been through since Travis left the band all that time ago. Um, but occupying the stall at the moment is the very warmly received Alex Bent um, of Brain Drill and formerly of Battlecross. Um, Travis Smith has since started a new project uh, within the last year or so, I think. Uh, it's called Black Nova. They describe themselves as a groove, progressive, hard rock sort of thing. It definitely is more on the groove side because we've only released a little teaser of a single so far that I found. Um, it is with fellow Trivian alumni Brent Young who was the bassist, I believe, for their debut album all those years ago. Uh, Corey and Paolo have pretty much just done Trivium. They've done a little guests here and there, but they are predominantly Trivium boys as far as I'm aware. Matt has got a black metal project in the pipeline that he's working with Ishan with uh, no recent news about that and I think that's the only other major, major project he's been in obviously done loads over the years he did Kafarnum in the early Trivium days he was a captain oh, fucking hell. he was a captain at like 1920 for the Roadrunner United project still one of my favourite albums of all time and now he is a very prominent streamer on Twitch, of which he does music and Fortnite and other such video games because he is just a cool dude. And we love him. And we should love him. But that is Desolation Sounds Podcast for another week. Uh, you have been, well, you have been given reviews for The Skints with Swimming Lessons, Wild Hearts with Renaissance Men, and Employed to Serve with Eternal Forward Motion. And... The open mic was Shogun by Trivium. Next week, we should have Flesh God Apocalypse, Baroness, and her name is Kala. Quite intrigued by her name is Kala. I've heard many, many, many things about the album, which unfortunately come from a band who have just announced they are going to split up. So it might be bittersweet. Might be glad to see them go. Who knows? Have to tune in next week. Uh, usual social medias, you know, at the station pod if you want to come and yell at me or if you have any different opinion or if you think trivium aren't worth it at which point you can fuck off have a glorious week and i'll see you soon bye bye